Where's the jam? There we go. Let's go. Yo, 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 what up, what up, GM, GM, good morning, good morning, Tuesday, Tuesday, October 4th. 2022. Look at that. Look at that. Another beautiful day to have a beautiful day. The sun is shining in Montreal, Canada. The sun is shining in the metaverse. The grass is green. The sky is blue, right? I mean, that's how my metaverse would look. That's for sure. Um, and and I'm here. Out here. Another day. Another show with my co-host, Osef and Mando. Woo! That rhymed. What's up, y'all? Good morning. GM guys, what's up? GM. Dude, GM. I'm having like issues here. Like I'm having very big problems. Like oh, really? in, big. in general or? big. Very big. I can't find my glasses. I had them this morning. I put them somewhere. I'm really looking in the fridge right now. And in the cabinets. I can't find my glasses for the life of me. Um and is is this is not a GM if I don't have my glasses. I mean to host is fine, but to work, it's not so fine. So, yeah, I think I just need to get LASIK once and for all. <laughs> Shit. Does that ever happen to you guys? Glasses are part of the brand at this point, man. You got to have them. Dude, like, where does one, like, if, let's say you, I found them. There you are, you son of a bitch. I found my glasses. Let's go. Okay, now my day can start. Now the show can go on. I got it. They were... They fell under, like, next to my bed, under this, like, uh, nightstand I, ha- I got with a lamp. Yeah, they were under there, um, on the rug, actually, so you can see them, because they're brown, and the rug is, like, brownish. Anyways. got rugged. All right. I feel like I paced up and downstairs a lot. Uh, we're ready to go. Let's get it. <laughs> today on the show. Today on the show. I'm going to play the titles in a second. Uh, macro and NFT daily summary, per usual. Uh, then, um, Sega, I love Sega, I used to have a Dreamcast growing up, uh, to launch its first blockchain game. Well, I'm excited to talk about that. Apple thinks AR is bigger than the metaverse. I don't really disagree with that, actually. And special guest, Carly Riley. She's the co-host, no, not the co-host, sorry, the host of the overpriced JPEG show, uh, on Bankless. She's awesome. She's a great, 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 uh, content creator. And we're going to talk about... How the rest of crypto take NFT seriously, creating content and Web3, and much more. So, another dope show on the way. You already know the vibes. But first, let's talk about this market because I know Mando is itching to talk about his favorite token right now. Daily Market Report. Brought to you by Rub Radio. Yeah, hey guys, the market is absolutely fucking ripping. Um, there's been a huge rally in interest rates. I, I think it came like towards the end of the day yesterday um, and again this morning, but like two years at around 405 basis points, it <laughs> it, uh, it 
dropped, I think it almost dropped below 4% earlier today. Um, but yeah, massive rally across interest rates. There seems to be some talk. I don't know what where this is coming from. There seems to be some talk out there about central banks maybe starting to take a more of a less hawkish stance. Like, you know, obviously we had the, the Bank of England buying back bonds last week. That was a big um, change in communicative policy of them kind of throwing the towel in. And then the consensus for payrolls for this Friday is released and the expectation is for that number to be 250K. Last month was 315. So, you know, that would be a relatively meaningful reduction in the payrolls number. And obviously we have to see what the actual number is. That's just a consensus number. And if that number comes a lot higher than consensus of the market, I think we'll sell off. But, um, you know, I think that's another sign if it's in, you know, in line or lower, then it does start to um, pose some questions to the Fed's aggression here. But, you know, maybe there's a couple of reasons as to why interest rates are rallying so much. But as a result, huge, huge rally in equities. Like the S&P 500 is up 3%. NASDAQ is up 3%. And they both finished up 3% yesterday, as, as uh, 2% yesterday as well. So it's a huge move across two days. And I think that shows you, like, shows you how defensively positioned people are in stocks. It shows you how short people might be in stocks. And when you get these big moves in interest rates, stocks just move very quickly. They're very, very aggressive to react. And um, we've seen that move spill over to crypto, but you know, not in as much uh, magnitude, like Bitcoin's kind of around 20K, ETH's around 1350, all the alts are up between like five and 10%. Um, but you know, these are these are all levels that we saw last week when equities are much lower. Like amazingly, there hasn't really been that much vol in crypto in the last week or two. And there's been a ton of equity vol. I mean, there's been more vol in government bonds than there has been in crypto, which is pretty fucking insane. Um, and again, like, starts to just like, like, it makes you realize how much of it, like people in traditional finance will, be, will talk about how much of a joke crypto is. But when you're seeing all these shenanigans and like government bonds and stuff, it kind of shows you how much of a joke traditional markets are. Um, but yeah, like mega, mega, mega squeeze this morning and um, going to be interesting to see what happens Friday, I think. Would you buy crypto here, you think? Yeah, I mean, look, if you look at it on the basis of two days of price action, equities are back up and crypto hasn't really moved that much. So on that ground, you could say yes. If you look at it on a one-week basis, crypto is kind of unchanged and equities kind of unchanged. So um, yes, we're off the lows two days ago, but also crypto didn't move lower when equities moved lower a week ago. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd be like yellowing into crypto here, but um, I think if... Uh, if macro keeps going, then you know it will drag crypto along with it. But I don't think, like, I don't think crypto's underperformed this move back up because it had outperformed the move on the way down. Yeah, it's it's a weird scenario, right? So what you're saying is correct, but we've underperformed the last couple of days. So then you do feel like stocks and maybe like bonds could all like take a bit of a breather, and that could drag us down potentially. It depends to see if we like outperform if if things turn slightly, but that move in rates is huge. Like, um, and I think there was some jobs data today about job openings. You have the big jobs figure on Friday, but there was a data today about job openings in the U.S. which fell 10% month on month. So more indication, you know, that like the labor market is perhaps not looking as strong. And remember, the labor market being strong is the is the main reason why the Fed thinks it can raise rates. If the labor market starts to look slightly weaker the Fed will have a much more difficult time uh, convincing itself even that now is the time to raise rates. So that yeah. happened, I think, just before we, we went on air. Like 
that job openings went down by 10%. So Mando, like, could that be because they forgot to relist their job openings on LinkedIn? Like people forget to relist their NFTs maybe? Yeah, probably, probably. It was an uh, API change at LinkedIn and, and that, that's what caused it. Oh yeah, make sure you relist, okay? Not delist. Uh, <laughs> but, just to give a, I know you were asking about whether we buy crypto here, just to give you an example of how much crypto has outperformed. Um, the last time two-year treasuries were at the levels they are now for 4.06%, that was on the 21st of September. And on the 21st of September, Crip ETH was actually 12.45. So ETH is actually higher by 100 points in that same time period. And on the 21st of September, the S&P 500 is where it is now. So like, if you're comparing like, levels to levels, and that, I guess that's what like, a two-week time period, Crypto has actually had a huge outperformance versus interest rates and versus equities because macro is unchanged and crypto is up. Um, so I think it's kind of like, I don't know, I think it's kind of priced in, but you know, who knows, it could, it could keep going higher, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't really, well, I think my conclusion is I wouldn't really buy crypto today, but that moving rates does provide a much more supportive attitude going into Friday. Like if Friday's number now comes in slightly weaker than expectations, I think this rally will pick up steam even more. Wow, pick up steam even more. You guys are speaking my language. I like that. I love to see it. I just love when I log into Twitter in the morning and I see a tweet from Crypto Kaleo going 20,000 United States dollar for one Bitcoin. And when he tweets stuff like October, God, I swear this guy gets me going. This guy gets me going. And then I come here and you guys explain why it's going to happen. <laughs> I love it. Mendo, Matic. It's running this morning. You'll have to see it. Dude, that chart looks really nice, by the way. Um, NFA, of course, as always, be careful. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a nice chart. What do you think about that? I saw you text me about that this morning. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few coins doing all right at the moment. A lot of people focused on Atom. Um, like, the story behind, if you take a step back, the story behind ETH has suddenly gotten a little, more, little bit more boring. So... I think people are looking at what is going to be like the storied names, even though, yeah, you have the long-term supply changes in ETH. It's pretty clear that the, the, the merge was priced in going into the merge. Um, and so now people are thinking like, okay, over the next one year, what's the narrative I can get behind? And that that's often the case in crypto. So like Solana went on that monster run when it just had the narrative of the whole market. And I think there's some expectation that you might, um, you might be moving to modular block. The, the, the narrative might be moving towards modular blockchains, which is what Atom uh, kind of encompasses. And then you have the talk about layer twos, which could also be a very, uh, could like dominate um, a lot of what you see in terms of the applications coming to crypto. Um, we've already, like we mentioned that every week, like Matic's got some new new uh, layer two thing being added to it. And at the moment, Arbitrum doesn't have a coin. So Arbitrum and Matic, I would say, that are, are, and maybe Optimism as well, but Optimism probably to a lesser extent. Um, those two, I think, are dominating the conversation around layer twos. And, and I, I wouldn't be unsurprised if that, that continues to be a narrative which outperforms. So like ETH Matic since the merge, I think is up um, like 20, 30%. Um, and I think if you can pick those coins potentially, then uh, particularly on layer twos or this concept of modular blockchains, then I think I think you can do quite well over this period. That's definitely the narrative, which is the strongest I think in the market right now. You guys see Dalio just resigned? <laughs> Did he have a job? Like I thought he just ran. He owned that company. Yeah, he, he owns. All oh, right, he's front running the world collapse. Did he rug? <laughs> 
Ray Dalio is like worth many, many billions. I don't, I don't know. Um, so he's just resigning from his from his post at, at the hedge fund which he owns. He also said two hours ago, and I'm quoting CNBC. So I mean, be careful with those things. Ray Dalio says he's changed his mind, and cash is no longer trash as an investment. Damn. Ray Dalio thinks cash is no longer trash. Go figure. Does he have he heard a bit? Has he heard of Bitcoin? He's been he's been More very value? bearish on the market. He's been very very <laughs> bearish on the market. He thinks. That, I mean, it's uh, hard not to be, right? He thinks interest rates are going to four and a half to six percent. So he thinks inflation is not coming down, and he's a smart guy. So yeah, yeah, I would exactly. Maybe listen to him. I mean, cash is king at the end of the day. Uh, no matter what narrative uh, people in the crypto space uh, want to throw out there, uh, cash is still king. You know, it's good to have. You know, it's good to have some. Some of both. It's good that you're all early uh, on here uh, and, uh, and um, you know, working within the crypto ecosystem now. But cash is still king. Yeah, look, as usual, you know, green candles when, when Ovi starts talking and whatnot. Uh, and so you said there's something to look forward to on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Friday we get payrolls. And payrolls haven't really been the most important number this year. Like people have been more fixated on inflation. But... I mean, given the moves we've seen and given um, the expectation on the Fed and like market expectations of how hawkish they're going to continue to be, um, I think this Friday's number is actually going to be quite important. And especially because the consensus for it is to be a meaningful reduction to last month. I mean, that's what, that's like a 30% reduction or something like that. Like, that's quite meaningful. So, um, look, the expectation is 250,000. That's like, for jobs added in non-farm sectors in the U- in the US, if that number comes higher than two hundred fifty thousand, you know, if it comes at like three fifty or four hundred, I think the market will sell off because that gives the Fed more license and remit to be aggressive about raising interest rates. And if that number comes in line or meaningfully below, I think the market rallies because I think it puts pressure on the Fed to be less aggressive and. Right now, the, everything that the Fed has communicated is, is like max hawkish. It's like um, pretty much the most aggressive they can be with regard to like their interest rate policy, which, in my opinion, they should have been obviously been a long time ago. It's kind of like a little bit too little, too late. But um, they're now almost like kind of trying to overdo it to account for that inflation. But um, you know, if if economic data gets worse and people have real growth concerns, then it puts pressure on them to be less hawkish. And I think that's kind of like the outcome. It's the outcome that makes markets rally, and I think it's the outcome that markets are looking for. But whether that's like the best outcome holistically and long term, I'm not really sure because there, are, <laughs> like, you don't want to just get back into the same like cycle of like low interest rates and you know not really fixing any of the issues. But um, I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows what can happen? Well, at least we got hundreds back on Twitter. Yeah, I got my emojis back. They're great. Thank you. Thank you. Now, if I could just, you know, um, <laughs> they gave them to me. They took them away from me and then gave it to me again and took it away from me. I need to stop talking about it on Twitter because they're, they're not giving me their new tools anymore. They got the soundboard now uh, that's involved. But apparently we're not important enough or don't host enough on Twitter uh, to be getting those tools. But I think it's not like Clubhouse, right? Dude, shut the fuck up. Uh... <laughs> Dude. Dude, those days, those days were great, man. You know, I'm telling you, Bitcoin was like 69K, dude. Okay, 
Tell me you don't want the clubhouse days back. Tell me you don't want them back. <laughs> Actually, I don't. Uh, and so, anyway, so let's talk about the NFT side of things, man, though. Let's get it. GM, GM. So, same as kind of yesterday. Ranger is Wait, G- hold on, Amanda. Let me give you a proper... Let's fucking go. Oh, wow. Yeah, the soundboard is fire. I think probably I had to it. shit on Farouk <laughs> real quick. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mando. You know why is it? So I went to this dashboard thing, like the Spaces dashboard thing. It says I'm in the UK. And when I went to the UK last month, I lost all my emojis. And because they get nothing over there. Like, they don't even have the co-tweet option. Yo, in Turkey, and... you can voice message on DM. It's crazy. Yeah, but like, see, it's, 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 see, it's, there you go. So they're testing on different countries. And for some reason, they think I'm based in the UK. Okay, none of this stuff anymore. Nah, chill. Right. I'm not doing it no more, brother. I'm not doing it no more. No, I know. That was like Simon. <laughs> I guess he's got it. <laughs> the guy doesn't even host Twitter spaces. Anyways. <laughs> Mando. <laughs> Go ahead. So, same as what yesterday. Renga, Renga's number one, easily. Um, over a thousand ETH volume again. Three ETH floor. Uh, the black boxes are up to five, uh, just over five, I think, right now. But um, they're not really stopping that, like uh, that rally. Listings is up a decent amount, but it's been up the last few days, and it's it's continued to rally. So I'm not really too sure when this pulls back meaningfully, but um, it's hanging out at three. Um, I yeah, uh, it, it's touched there. I think it got as high as maybe just just over three, and it's been hanging around out at three for the last few hours. So definitely some trading, like some risk clearing there. You got the very big Bowie auction, Bowie auction, um, which uh, Ferocious I think sold a one of one, uh, hundred ETH. I, I I was weirdly I didn't see enough of like that. I just didn't really know what was going on until until I saw you hosting your space. But yeah, that was um I think that was a bit of a snipe, like good level I think for Ferocious one of one. That that's a, that's a solid. The like, face we one about of the one night. was fucking stolen. The face was, all... was also yeah. stolen, right? That was that was highway robbery. We we missed out these. Yeah, I feel so fucking stupid. I joined the space. I clicked the auction. There's a minute and ten seconds left, and I'm like, "Wow, I don't even have any rap beat," and and then it was gone. Yeah, so I think that was the uh, that was the surprising for me. I, I, like, I only saw it as it was happening, and then it kind of happened. Uh, but yeah, that was quite a big uh, art auction, nonetheless. I think that took over the majority of the volumes. There's a, there's a new project called Katara World, which is up to like 0.3. That's doing just shy of a thousand Ethan volume. Um, kind of looks like Studio Ghibli style art um, in NFT form, and then your we had the Hope Mint, the Hope uh, the A16Z bit backed uh, P2E game. That's up. That's seen decent volumes. It's up to about 0.5. Um, oh, wow. other that, yeah, other than that, it's been fairly fairly quiet. Punk's trading remains relatively active. That floor's been cleaned up slightly over the last few days. Um, there's been some big bids coming in from Punk's OTC. I think he's been trading quite well after the uh, after the uh, trippy ape sold for him. So yeah, uh, he crushed it with that sale, man. That's that's wild, hey, dude. These that guy just stays taking dubs, man. I swear to God, damn. <laughs> he drives these insane. 
<laughs> he's uh he's he definitely polarizes the uh the punks community that's for sure like he provides liquidity but then at the same time there's some there's some stuff that i think people don't agree with but he um, provides liquidity but then he snipes any he snipes, fucking right? bid that is gonna get accepted so if you're putting bids out trying to get some type of value he's just fucking sitting there with his bot rubbing his nipples as he fucking outgasses you and outbids you by one fucking way and then he tells you in the discord basically go fuck yourself and it's just a horrible fucking experience but yeah other than that he's great he's a great person <laughs> we love him exactly i think if you're trying to be a liquidity provider like these was you were a liquidity provider for a while in punks right like that was that was your 2020 that was my fucking job like yeah. it was like i was an idiot doing a job before computers and bots came in the market and then like the bots came in and just took all the value that the idiots were getting and then we had to go find something else to do so yeah fuck him and that's how fractional started um <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> and then he became a director of vibes <laughs> so um yeah look i think I, I i agree with you like i think people find it slightly underhand like to, to put it he basically just outbids people by tiny amounts um and gets in, gets in front of anyone trying to be a liquidity provider which people don't love but at the same time if you own a punk maybe you like the fact that he's always got a bid for you so um yeah that's he's providing liquidity right now in punks and i think that that floor has slightly been cleaned up over the last few days other than that fairly quiet most things are unchanged and good thing to see is a lot of the, a lot of the collections that kind of were drifting above 10 ETH or around 10 ETH like Azuki Moonbirds they've kind of stayed double digits they're not like I think a lot of those sellers maybe have been cleared out over the last two few sessions Doodles is like an 8 ETH and just like solid um, so some of that mid mid tier stuff is kind of not retracing for the first time There's in a long, these... long time. You know, like every single day you'd see, oh, you know, everything's lower. Yeah. You haven't actually seen that in the mid-tier stuff. So um, one thing is, Mando, those Exosamas are still 3 ETH. Um, I yet have to speak to someone from the project. I just haven't had the time over the weekend. But those are still 3 ETH. Um, I'm curious about it. Because the volume is 1,800 ETH, but the floor is strong. And with very little listed. So there has to be something going on there for people not to want to like trade them like they're just holding on to them right very low listings yeah uh, look i i don't really know that much about the project no um, me neither that's why i don't want to get ahead of myself i'm just saying like it's in, i'm just observing like it's still at that floor that it was last week yeah so it's been it's holding it's a newer project um yeah i couldn't really make up from the art what, what it's um really based based upon but i i know Polk, the is related to the Polkadot ecosystem. Remember, Kusama is their like main application layer, and I think Exosama is probably a play on words mm. there. So, um, what it, I think it's going to be some sort of game or or, or uh, DAP, which is going to be put on the uh, on the Polygon network. That's cool. Yeah, it's I'm I'm just I'm just pointing that out because there's uh, there is uh, it's it's quite interesting. And then you have I mean, Digital Gaku is still strong above twelve ETH. I mean, that Gabriel Layden guy has just become like a, a force in the space, and he's got his like they do these like Discord stages, like holders only stuff and bunch of stuff. Like they're like I I kind of like I'm watching I'm following from afar, um, just to remind me of pain honestly and how much of a paper handed bitch I am. Uh, but that's just like personal, uh, of course. And then, uh, but it's been interesting to see how <laughs> how they've been growing that. And then there's another one. I mean, you talked about Azra. Uh, another interesting one. Uh, well, great. I think I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, so that's not great. Uh, but that's about, I mean, that's about it, right? It's, it's impressive how 
again, like how well Azuki's holding up. I think they flipped the Moonbirds. Um, Moonbirds just haven't moved beyond like 10, 11 in a minute. Uh, but I think that'll take time for that to move, but it will move at some point because they're obviously like that team is building and doing a bunch of stuff. Um, I don't know if there's any V friend stuff coming, but Gary keeps alluding to things. Like he made one or two posts about it. And then uh, also, they just announced plush toys, like plush toys. Two minutes ago. Plushies. Oh, two plush. minutes ago. There you go. That's why I'm, I don't know. There you go. They, so V friends announced plush toys. So do go they, ahead and buy and bag? get your, get yourself they, a plush toy. I hope they come with a fanny bag. Dude, they're actually, I'm watching this two hours ago, sorry, and it says, um, we brought NFTs to live, introducing VFriends, it's Macy's and Toys R Us. This is cool. This is this is very on brand with the VFriends doodles, and the plushies actually look great. I would Wait, buy is Toys R Us back? For my children. That's what I was wondering. Like, I didn't even know Toys R Us was still a thing. It's a thing in Canada. I used to buy my Pokemon cards in there. Let me tell you, before the NFTs, I spent a fortune on Pokemon cards, which are actually... In a box I'm looking at right now, uh, they've gone to zero, just like my NFTs. Um, but yeah, we uh, Toys R Us over here is quite sick. Um, there's a Toys R Us offering to carry, dude. It's fun, dude. They 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 knew my face. They would live. Ouch! I just hit my head on the shin. Ow! They used to. Fuck, man. Today I'm a mess. Uh, I used to I used to go out there um, and buy so many Pokemon that they would hide the boxes behind the counter and limit me to one uh, per person. Um, though uh, I did get lucky, pulled a couple Charizards uh, that are sitting in the card shop. Uh, because I just forgot about them. Uh, so <laughs> no, that's terrible. No, that's there, not there, lucky. There, dude, I got them back from PSA. It took two two years, bro. I'm over it. Like the guy can just keep them, and I'll go get him when I get him. You know what I mean? Because um, I don't have time to list that list that stuff. Um, <laughs> maybe I do a fun giveaway type thing. Frederick, what's up? You have some thoughts on plush toys and, and Toys R Us? Yeah, I was just gonna uh, answer the question. So I think starting this year, the Toys R Us are gonna be in like Macy's. They they don't really have their own standalone wow. store. They're at Macy's. That makes sense. I I think I read about that. I think they made the announcement a while ago, right? And then, so it seems like it's going. Uh, v friends will be there. Um, I mean Macy's is huge, so it's actually on brand. Like, Pudgy, can I can I ask what what you're doing with your with your uh Pudgy? Like, uh, I know that that sale happened a few a few weeks ago. Like, uh, what's what's the next move? But he's got the brand around it. AI. Uh, Tell him to touch his nose, Frederick. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm doing uh, some AI streaming. I just I don't I don't know how to do this Twitch stuff or none of this podcast stuff. So I've been over here like a boomer trying to figure out how to set it up, and then I'll start off with some streams. I'm still looking at different licensing deals. I'm still getting them, but you got to be selective though, because you got a penguin. You don't you don't want to go. Put your shit on the forty ounce because then you can't get on the Fisher Price wave. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just I'm taking my time. I got nothing but time to to get this shit done. So I'm just taking my time. Penguin, I'd like to. It's a left facing penguin. Um, and so you know, put some respect on that name, everyone. Uh, no, but I know I know it's gonna come up. Uh, Frederick has honestly become one of my favorite um Twitter personalities. I gotta say. Uh, and so I'm a two-time uh, Fudger quote tweet survivor. I should add that to my bio. I feel like it's really rare. Um, I'm so, so dude. Like I'm looking. At, I mean, one is down to about four and a half feet. I think all time was about twenty. Uh, for those, so wonder what G Money is gonna do next there. Uh, the Gota mint pass, like all the mint passes slash access things are down quite a bit. Like the Gota is down to five and a half, but still like very strong when you think it mint at one ETH and admit one was literally a free mint. Um, for some reason, the, my 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 stable coin, uh, not so stable coin, me bits are going down and down. They're three or five, 
Um, and that's about, I mean, Jenkins, like the board and dangerous book down to point twenty five, still recovering from there. Um, probably going to take a minute. That fellas are approaching one ETH again, which you love to see. Uh, but there's not too much going on. Um, aside from that, not much big sales either. Like I'm looking through 9059 stuff either. It seems like, you know, things are moving, but not so much. There are some nice bids on punks, but it's all the same person market making right now, it seems. Um, punks OTC, just like, you know, just uh, just making a bunch of bids out there on clean punks. Um, yeah, so I think that's about it on the NFT side of things. Uh, however, uh, Mando, you did put, uh, you did um, add today. So Sega, Sega is to launch its first blockchain game. That's interesting. I don't know who here had a Dreamcast growing up because I, dude, I lived in Paris. I was a kid. I used to play that Sega Dreamcast all day. I had this game that had like 30 games. Yeah, there you go. I can't believe I don't have. Wait, where do you see it on your screen? Is that Yo, the bottom? So when left? you click the when you click the wand, it should say soundboard. If it just takes you to the voice, then it's not where it doesn't. You don't have it. Yet. So I see voice. But to be honest, yeah, you don't have it. You would have saw soundboard, and you would have saw all these emojis. Oh my god! I'm gonna screenshot it so you can see how it looks. Awesome. But to be honest, the sound sucks. The best one is the clapping, and um... yeah, it depends on how you use it, my guess. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, you're fine. I'm actually. It's good that you played it because I'm curious how it'll play on the on Spotify and Apple. So it's actually good you play them. So I'm gonna take note of the time. There you go, dude. Osef Mando, how come everybody on this stage has a soundboard, but us? This is why, dude. What? Okay. Anyway. Yo, y'all gonna. <laughs> I'm dying. Yo, that's because I'm a blue check bandit. That's what they call me out there. Uh, and so... exactly. If you need that daddies, let me know, brother. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yo, Mando, so let's talk about Sega because, like, that's an interesting topic you put in that I'm really curious about. Yeah, it's it's not a big story, I guess, um, in terms of details, but it sounds Sega's obviously one of the biggest Japanese gaming companies, um, definitely in the top in the top bracket, and they are launching their first blockchain-based game. Um, I believe it's alongside another blockchain-based company called Double Jump, Jump Tokyo, it says here. But uh, it says it's going to have potentially NFTs and, and um, I would assume some level of like blockchain earning. Um, but that's a big deal. Like we've seen a few others attempt to make moves in some of the big gaming companies. Like uh, Atari's has made quite a few, but then Ubisoft made a made a light entrance into NFTs. Let's say six nine months ago, and then did like a 180 and basically said we're you know we're not ready. But this would be one of the biggest people to kind of take it on um other than the the native blockchain gaming companies that we've already spoken to like animoca man this is pretty interesting i haven't dived fully into this yet but sega just owns a shit ton of ip like they've made so much and they did smart since the early days where they kept all of it pretty much and what i'm reading so far it looks like double jump actually is licensing or obtaining the ip rights for this game so would have to probably look more into double jump to understand what they're building while they're just licensing the IP from Sony. Yeah, exactly. I think it's probably a light, it's also a light, relatively light entrance from them in that they're probably just, um, they don't have the internal tech probably to deal with like blockchain technology. So they're probably just giving away their IP to a company that it, that does have that technology um, or that expertise. But yeah, it's definitely a good sign. Well, it's really similar to like how like, Disney earlier on went on Vive, and like some of these massive companies that didn't have like internal capabilities of doing it have been testing the water with other like Web3 native companies while they build it internally and release on their own. So 
it'll be really interesting to watch like how it evolves with Sony over time. Like double jump is like a card game maker, so like it's probably going to be like a card game blockchain game. Damn, they're stealing Sobe's stuff. We gotta we gotta get Sobe fighting them. Damn, these we're gonna have to step up here. Um, and so <laughs> no, but it's it actually blockchain card games like make a lot of sense. Like I started digging more into it. I spoke to to obviously I see what Sobe's doing, and and we'll have him on soon uh, with Mike Tyson and stuff, and then. Um, actually, we just figured uh, the last details out. I did leak his uh, launch date by mistake last Friday on the show. Uh, mistakenly, it was great. Yo, D's, it was so funny. I'm like, so you're launching your thing on October 16th, right? He's like, bro, that was supposed to go out tonight. And I'm like, oh, well, never mind. And <laughs> the advisor alpha just leaks out sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Great advisor here. Uh, but the blockchain gaming, like, you know, it's, um, it's, um, uh, sorry, the card gaming is, uh, I mean, it goes back all the way back to what, um, Spells Genesis, we have Gods on Chain that did, a, did really good. And you have a couple more that are, that are starting, starting to come, uh, forward. So it'll be interesting, uh, to see what happens there. Obviously excited on Sega again, like, again, like more big names, more big news and good to have different markets come in. Of course, like Sega was way more popular, you know, um, you know, in Southeast Asia and that market. And so you'll have to see it, right? Um, again, like as, as much, the market needs to grow out of just like being just American centric and whatnot. So um, very excited to see, uh, to see what happens there and uh, how is that's gonna affect, you know, the rest of the market too. Uh, another note, uh, Mando, you also put out there, I see that Apple thinks that AR is bigger than the metaverse. Let's discuss that. This is, this is very interesting. Uh, we had this conversation with Michael Bay uh, the director on, on our show a couple weeks ago. You can find it on, on our Gem NFTs uh, link. I need to just put that in my bio. Uh, and it's across all platforms. But like He was talking about how he's much more bullish on AR and not so much on Metaverse himself. I'll, I'll pin the clip that, that, that Golden put out there. But Mando, what are your thoughts here? I think it's it's a part of this is politics, right? Like Apple's obviously in um, in competition with Facebook and Facebook's made this big shift in all its advertising towards the concept of the metaverse and this is apple basically like rugging them and saying oh you know it's it's not really about that even though it kind of is around about the same stuff at least the same technology i think uh tim cook's basically in the in the speech he was like no one knows what the metaverse is like you ask an average person they have no like, no concept of what the metaverse is but they do understand augmented reality slightly better so i think it's more like a wording thing but but just makes Facebook look pretty stupid for having changed their name to Meta. So um, I, I think part of this is politics. I think in some ways he's he's touting some of the technology which which could lead to you know a lot of these digital assets being very valuable going forward. But he's just doing it in a more nuanced way to um, to kind of I don't know get a one up on on the narrative around around metaverses and uh, and AR. Yeah, I mean. Dude, like, I think we speak about this a lot on stage, right? Like, what's the metaverse? What's this? What's that? Like, it's a conversation we have a lot with a lot of big guests, too. Like, you know, we had Yat on, and, you know, we have quite a dope-ass guest coming in next week to talk about that, too. Is it next week the week after? I'm not going to talk about who it is yet, but that's going to be pretty big, and it'll make sure convo. But, like, um, it's just, like, what's the metaverse? Like, obviously, I don't want to reiterate this and that, but, like, what what is this metaverse? Like, there's so many metaverses. It's not, and, like, even when I talk to normies, uh, sometimes I do. It's tough, y'all. It's really hard. Uh, but I do, and like, so I, that's where I get my pulse check, and I'm like, yo, like, so they go, so you're still doing that NFT? So I'm like, yeah, of course I'm doing that NFT stuff, bro. Like, I fucking, that's all I can, that's all I know how to do. Uh, and so, uh, and I do make great coffee. Uh, but, uh, but then, 
they're like, well, you know, I'm not so bullish on the meta. They immediately go, I'm not, I'm not sure about the metaverse. That's the first thing they tell me. I swear to God, it's not even about like, they don't even say, oh, is there a casino gambling? This? I'm glad like the narrative's kind of like, I think people are under slowly getting to this more than that. So it's immediately like, oh, but that metaverse. And I say the same thing every time. It's like, my metaverse is this shit. Like my metaverse is like, I'm pacing around my, my living room right now. And I'm just like talking to y'all every single day. Since those good old uh, clubhouse days, man, though. But also before that, even when you were playing video games, like, I mean, these, you're a gamer. Like, you, when you, once you sit down in your chair, you put your headset on, and you, you dive into a dope-ass game that you're playing, that's kind of a metaverse. Like, you're kind of, like, into this universe online, and you're talking to a bunch of random people that you may not know. Or RuneScape was the metaverse. Like, it's, like, all these things, right? To me, that that's the way I see it. Then we'll see where they take it, right? Uh, but AR is most definitely, like, the way more likely to like succeed in my opinion than anything else including vr and whatnot i'm super bearish on that side uh i will never wear an oculus i i just no way like I, this thing's scary uh, what if i put on my eyes and it just sucks me right in and i'm stuck in zuck's world nah you're not um, missing shit it gives you fucking see- it gives me seas- i get seasick i you, bought you it last year this shit like i oh damn <laughs> i like it for boxing when i don't when i can't go out or it's too lazy to go to the I love it for that. I literally sweat. But other than that, if I try to do the other to- the other games, I get like uh, nauseous. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I'm well, old. I know some people <laughs> trade like with the Oculus, so they have this whole like trading thing, and they can see like a bunch of charts left and right. Like they don't need a bunch of laptops. Like you know the smart ones. Like it looks like you're at a Barclays trading desk out there. But in Oculus, I still don't get it. Like to me, I rather this because we all we like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And what I mean by that is we like the IRL, we like the URL, we like both feelings, right? as humans and so ar is probably going to be the next big thing like i'll never lose my glasses again like this morning when i have ar because they're probably going to be smart and make a sound for me to find them austin <laughs> what are your thoughts here <laughs> yeah gm gm so i think you bring up a couple good points one is that we don't have a uniform definition of the metaverse like the way that you defined it to yourself is probably different than how people are thinking about it broadly within the NFT space, outside of the NFT space, we still don't have like one direction where everyone understands what we're talking about. Um, Matthew Ball talked a bit about like what his definition of the metaverse is. I definitely recommend his book that just came out a couple months ago, but effectively- Yeah, Mendo keeps asking me to get him on the show. I it's think so I'm, good. I'm gonna pump, yeah. bump it again. Yeah, he just won't answer. I've tr- been trying to get on the show for weeks. <laughs> All right, we got to like multi multi threat attack, get Matthew Ball on the show. I think I've got, hopefully we, we can find a way to get him on. Um, but yeah, he, ta- he talks about how the metaverse is persistent, always on, uniform, interoperable. Like he dives into basically a lot of things that are effectively crypto primitives and why they're so closely connected. But the metaverse is like, in his opinion, across everything. I do think the total addressable market of AR is just significantly greater than anything virtual. Like people at the end of the day are going to walk outside. They're not going to be in these ever persistent environments plugged in with, with a headset, no matter how small you get that form factor over time. And so I think it's much more likely that we enter a universe in which like most experiences are augmented versus most experiences are virtual. Austin, you bring up great points there too. And like, I worked in VR for a long time and profits you were right on it's like the ipd and screen door effect is like one of the biggest reasons why like vr hasn't taken off because like it's the interpupillary distance and everyone has a different one it's just such a pain in the ass uh it is getting better but i completely agree on your point like augmented reality uh it's gonna be more of mixed reality because when people are going to want to be out in public they'll have the glasses that kind of overlay and help make your life daily better 
but then people love playing games. So being able to go back in your home and switching into VR mode is where I see this really going. So mixed reality is where I look at rather than AR, VR. And like when I was working with this guy, his name was JB Lee. He found the cacao and he was the head of the, our startup. And he looked at uh, what the next paradigm shift of computing would be. Like how we went from these home computers to now these cell phones in our hands. Now Apple Watch, which you have on, which most people can do a lot of shit with. And now we're moving into like, what is that next thing that's going to make our lives easier day in and day out? And that is the glasses. Like people don't realize it yet, but people might be like slow to adopt to it. But when you don't have to hold something in your hands, when you can like have a better use case of walking around, getting information about where you want to go, uh, what you want to see. And it's all like the health and financial stuff that Apple is building behind it. You really get to see where everything is moving. And also 100% on that AR. But if you look at the, the dreary effect of it, like 50, 100 years now with you know, certain areas with global warming and population disease, like I can see VR being a big getaway in certain parts of the world. So you're going full Ready Player One. Like people are going to dive in to escape like their world that, that's, like, problems. That's probably, Isn't that what people do with video games? Like, it, what, like diving to escape a little bit? I mean, I think Simon's taking it a step further to the extent of like our world is going to be so messed up that we literally are not going to want to like partake in it. And I would say like the everyone should read Ready Player One, like on top of of watching the movie. But like the key theme of that book is very much of like, hey, you can't escape the world's problems. Like, yes, it's it's great that like you can dive in and have these experience like shared experiences. But like we still have to like take care like the the most important impactful experiences that we can have as like a human race is like together like actually with presence um and that won't be able to be replicated in a metaverse yeah and that i don't is. think i will i just think it's like certain you know pockets of places and countries where you know the population is so large and like you know the finances aren't great people are, like, don't have the best living conditions like how do you actually escape from that and like, i think that's going to become more prevalent over the next 50 100 years it also depends on people. I think, like, normally, is like, the, like my form, form of escaping, like, is this. Like, genuinely, like, one of the reasons I started social media, even as a kid, like, I needed a way to just escape and try to, like, build an identity and just try to be me online. Like, I, I just, that's who I wanted to be at 14. Like, and so it was always a way for, like, not just an escape, because escapism is not good. And at the end of the day, if you keep trying to escape, you're just not going to be happy in life. But, like, it's just, like, it was a way to, like, just get out of whatever's happening and get in to whatever I wanted to happen. And I feel like I had much more control over like anything I wanted being online when this metaverse or whatnot versus that. Like, you know, if you, let's say you want to skip, like you want to fire up a game of FIFA, you want to fire up a game of, what do you guys play? The MMORPG games. I'm not a gamer. Like dude, like call of duty, whatever, modern warfare, all that shit. Like, you know, like it's, um, it's like people do that also like, like GTA, whatever, like to escape in a way. Right. But also I find like, you can you can escape, but you can also like there's way to find ways to find yourself, and like this world is so big. Like these, I saw you tweet the other day, like something around like uh, someone put you as like uh, I don't know, big name, whatever, and you were like, what me? Just this kid from Ohio. But the thing is, like, it had me thinking. This video you put, like, you're not just a kid from Ohio because the interwebs are so much bigger than Ohio will ever be. So in 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 when you think about it this way, like we are like you're very big within an ecosystem that's far bigger than the world can ever be. Like it's just the way I see things. I don't know if that makes sense. But it just really makes sense uh, in my head right now. Uh, but it's just like this metaverse is just like that's what it is to me. It's like I wonder what it would look like in 10, 20, 30 years. But for now, like we haven't even touched AR to be able to get into fully immersed into those VR uh, big headsets worlds where we're like 
hosting with these glasses on and you guys are all there in front of me and whatnot. Like, they, I, I just don't see it yet. Like, well, obviously, we'll get there, but it's interesting. Um, Apple's take, uh, Mando, and to see uh, where they're at. Kenobi, I see your, your, uh, your mic's unmuted. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I think that the AR and the mixed reality is the most likely outcome of all this and like everyone's bringing up really good points about like the various things that this technology can enable um whether it's you know business connections from around the world regardless of the cost of living or where you are and like you know in its best most optimistic form it empowers us to create amazing connections that we would otherwise not be able to create because we're geographically limited you know that story but i think ar is the most likely and like I'm really interested in, I'm much more interested in like the, the gamification of real life, like interactions. And I'm a lot less interested in walking around and being sold things on every surface. Um, but I think it's going to be a battle between sort of this optimistic, like, I don't even know how to say it. Like, like this, this vision of a better future versus like this vision of how can we sell as much shit to as many people as possible. And those two like ethos is like arguing with each other over this new tech. <laughs> it is meta IOI from ready player one. That's what, that's what we're going to find yeah. out. No, dude, I know. Decade. Austin, I'm so glad, I'm so glad you brought up that book because that's exactly the, the arc of the story. Right. It's actually wild because like, I like, I don't know. Like, I, I, we'll see where it takes. Obviously, I think even to adopt VR, it takes AR to be fully implemented first. Like, it's like steps. Like, take people into AR first, and then you'll see where that goes next. But anyways, I don't ramble too much on this. I think it's an interesting topic. It's pinned at the top. For anybody curious, it was Apple CEO Tim Cook. Um, he says, the tech will shape the future, and it's not metaverse. It's augmented reality. Uh, it's an interesting article that was on uh, CNBC. We pinned that at the top. Pinned at the top also, I put the, the Michael Bay. Uh, clip that, that Golden uh, put out on the Rug Video account uh, with his uh, definition of the metaverse. You guys should definitely check it out. Also, like, you know, feel free to be, uh, you know, give it a little RT. You know, those will help as usual. And uh, also, pin at the top, a question. Um, what is the metaverse to you? So if you want to partake in this conversation, if you're listening, I know we have a bunch of listeners, obviously can't bring 500 people on stage and whatnot. Like, you feel free to partake, uh, answer and whatnot. Always curious to see, like, how people feel about things and how you see things. So it also gives us always a better understanding of where like the market's heading and like how people uh, think of things. So always an interesting topic uh, here. And, uh, and I like that we, um, that we, uh, that we dove uh, right into it. Anyways, I'm going to segue here into our special guest of the day, Carly Riley, the host of the overpriced JPEGs podcast, which is a bankless production. She's actually dope as fuck. She was one of the first people to give myself Mel and Rock Video a stage uh, when we first launched. So, you know, I obviously have a lot of respect for people who do that. And it was a pleasure to be on your show way back then. Feels like we need 2.0 soon with everything going on. But Carly, GM, how you doing? GM, GM, doing well. Thanks so much for the uh, the intro. So fun to have you on the pod. Glad to uh, to be now on your show, you know? Well, exactly, exactly. The tables the, the tables, the tables have turned. Turn. The tables have to turn. <laughs> That's how it works, you know? This this how it is. And when Mando told me, yo, it's Carly Riley coming in tomorrow, I was like, hell yeah. You know, that's my girl. So it's super cool to have you here. Mando, I don't know if you wanted to maybe intro this and whatnot, but I think we'll give it to Carly first. Maybe, Carly, you should definitely give your, uh, an intro of yourself, your background, you know, what you've been up to, what got you to where it is, and then talk to us about, you know, overpriced JPEGs and bankless and all the dope shit you're up to. 
All the good stuff. Cool. Well, I want to, uh, I was listening in on the, for the last, you know, 10 minutes or whatever of y'all's conversation. So two things I wanted to say, can you guys, what's say, okay, I'm not a gamer. What's Sega? Can somebody spell it for me? <laughs> S-E-G-A. Oh, real easy. Love it. Okay. I, uh, I'm like, I've never been a gamer and I'm still really not a gamer, but Basically, it's so important to this then, ecosystem. Yeah. Back then there was people who had a Nintendo 64 and there's people mm-hmm. who had a Sega Dreamcast. Got it, got it. That, Carly, was, that was the rivalry. Carly, do you know what Sonic was? Yes. Sega was Sonic. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like deep dive, like researching the history of the gaming industry. It's the lamest possible way to like start inserting myself in these conversations where I'm like, I've literally never played League of Legends, but I could tell you the history of Riot. Like I'm like trying to just like intellectually wrap my head around all this stuff because it, it is just so important to like understanding the space. Um, so I'm going to do my, my research on Sega. I'm actually interviewing... Justin Hulog tonight, who's the um, head of the game studio at Immutable X. He was previously at podcasts. Riot. Yeah, well, that's through. So I do a podcast now. I, I always have Overpriced JPEGs, which is my main baby. And then I do a show. I co-host a show with Robbie Ferguson, who's the president and founder of IMX. And that was really born out of, like, I want to deep dive, understand layer twos more. <laughs> like, want to understand these ecosystems that I feel like are so key to the growth of of ethereum carly and watch, uh, watch uh, this documentary called console wars on netflix it talks okay. about Sega, nintendo it's really good oh awesome yeah anytime i can watch just like interesting or like does anybody here listen to the acquired podcast i i, I honestly i'm not gonna lie uh beyond our show i and this other spaces i host it's hard for me to consume anything more yeah yeah fair i I go through waves where sometimes I'm like heavily <laughs> con- like consuming and then waves where I'm like, I don't absolutely not. I just have no time for anything. Um, so tell us more about you, Carly. Okay. Sorry. Tell yes. Okay. Okay. Well, and here, here's, here's the last thing. Okay. Yeah. But I also want to say you guys were talking about Matthew. Is it Bell or Ball? The guy who wrote the, the ex Amazon guy. Yeah. Um, Herman Narula also has a metaverse book coming out. I think, I don't know what it's called, but he's the CEO of Improbable. And I think he's really, he's like smart when he talks about this stuff, which is like the metaverse as just like an extension of IRL experiences where like, you know, Improbable is basically just trying to get, allow like 100,000 people to all be in the same place at once virtually. You know, like even you look at like Fortnite did their Travis Scott concert, but you could only have like 50 or 100 people or whatever it was like in a particular group at a time because they all to be on like separate servers. So this kind of like concerts where you can have like the whole world attending the concert at once are things you can't really get in AR that I think are very cool, like potential futures for the metaverse. I will plug Carly's episode with Herman because it's fantastic. Thank you, Austin. And he talks, <laughs> and he talks a lot about identity and like avatars and how people are going to choose to like represent themselves. And it's much more about like presence and like knowing someone is there and like yeah. actually being able to like show up versus like being super hyper realistic it's a really really good listen yeah yeah he's excited about like exactly like concerts sporting events like these things where it's like what if you can be hanging out with a guy across the world from you and like you you two are sitting there and kind of chatting in a way that feels more real than just like chatting in discord for example um so super cool okay Overpriced JPEGs, yeah, man. We we're coming up on the one year anniversary of Overpriced JPEGs, which Let's is go. so exciting. I think we're gonna kind of come out with a uh, some awesome announcements around that time. Um, you mentioned it's through Bankless. Um, I'm act- like Bankless and I are are kind of figuring out what the next phase of like our our relationship looks like because Overpriced JPEGs is sort of like outgrowing 
it's like original structure of just being a little bankless baby. So um, excited for what that might look like. Um, I did some really fun stuff this year, travel wise. We um, we did like a little. I, I had this like vision of like parts unknown meets um, meets Web three. You know, so like travel around the world, visit these different Web three communities. Instead of the focus being on food, having the focus be on art and like crypto culture. So I went to Puerto Rico as a first kind of stop in that. And uh, that episode or that kind of 30 minute mini doc is going to be coming out, I think next week. I've been teasing it for such a long time and I've been such a perfectionist about it, but it's finally coming out. So that was awesome. That's overpriced JPEGs on the road. And honestly, just feel so lucky to have had this show and this platform, which you know, allowed me to has allowed me to talk to so many amazing people in this space. I feel like Web three in general just accelerates opportunities and careers. And then on top of that, to to kind of have gotten lucky enough to have a, a somewhat public platform, it felt like it just went into to overdrive. And like the the opportunities have been just kind of crazy to me. I love that. This is sick. So, how did you like? What's your background? Were you always like a podcaster, content creator? Like, what what was the switch for you from Web two to Web three? Yeah, it's so funny. I <laughs> so when I got out of college, I was working at a hedge fund, and on the side, I created this show called Once Upon a Political Time, where I was researching the history of different political issues to like contextualize where we are with those different issues today. And I never used to talk about that as part of my bio because it was like this show I did on the side. It aired on Vermont Public Access Television. So it was like me and like literally just like Vermont cat ladies, you know, <laughs> who like would do these like really like soft spoken, just like sit down in their house, whatever. And then there was my show, which was very different and, and kind of funny. Um, but I never used to talk about that because it was so irrelevant to like my backstory. And now I feel like I talk about it all the time because I've, of course, circled back into being a content creator. And so now that's like the, the one bit of proof I have my history to be like, see, I've sort of always been a content creator. Um, but that I did that show while again on the side while I worked at a hedge fund, um, and I was researching different, you know, different political issues, and that actually led me to becoming a UBI fan. Um, and I'd done like sort of some research on the history of the welfare system in the United States, and just being like, wow, like we just don't give people cash anymore. Like we're very controlling about if you don't have money, like we'll give you food stamps, we'll give you this, but we won't just like give you money to live your life. And so that got me into UBI and then getting into UBI led me to Andrew Yang, a presidential candidate in like early to mid 2018. So I ended up joining his campaign in like very early days. We were a very scrappy kind of janky campaign at that point and worked with him for, for two years. And, um, I was his finance director, so was working with a lot of our big donors, a number of whom were like pretty into crypto. Um, and actually, when I was at the hedge fund, there was like the one like DGen in the office who was super into crypto in like 2016, 2017, sort of red pilled me at the time. I was joking about this with somebody recently where it was such early days. I owned some Monero, which is hilarious. You can tell what kind of DGen onboarded me to crypto that I owned Monero. And um, you couldn't actually just like cash it out for fiat on Coinbase at, at that point. And so I didn't have, I had barely any of it. My friend basically custodied it for me in his Coinbase wallet. But he had so much Monero that as he was trying to cash out, he, he could exchange it for gold bars. So I remember him like coming into work late one day. He was like, oh, I've got this like big shipment of gold bars being delivered because that was like the quickest way he could cash out of his stuff because he couldn't just like go direct to Fiat. So I'm like, God, how far we've come in like six years uh, to where we are now. So that was sort of my introduction to the crypto world. Worked for Yang had a bunch of big donors who were into crypto after the presidential campaign went to a venture studio this was like early last year um where i was there 
up until early last year when I started really diving into what was happening in DeFi. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. They're like actually doing all of this stuff that they used to, you know, that, that they were sort of talking about when I was tracking ETH a little bit back in 2016. And so it was around then that I was like, you know, I really want to do a podcast. Like I kind of wanted to get back into content creation stuff anyway. So I'd love to do a podcast about like NFTs and what's happening. But you know, imposter syndrome was like, I don't know enough. And I, you know, I was so new to the the system at that point. Um, But anyway, fast forward, quit my venture studio job, joined a blockchain startup and very fortuitously bankless, actually probably, oh my God, I think it was like October 1st, like a year ago today, basically, uh, Ryan Sean Adams from bankless DM'd me and was like, Hey, like I see you're tweeting a bunch about, about, uh, like NFTs. He knew me from my Yang days because he and David had been fans of Yang and I'd done a podcast a little bit with Yang, just helping pinch hit for him a little bit sometimes on his show. So like, would you want to do a podcast with us about NFTs and the metaverse? And I was like, this is a dream come true. <laughs> so that was my uh, journey to, to hear. Wow. Yeah. Damn. That's quite a journey. Mando, let me, let, let me hit you with that. I knew you got a qu- couple questions here for Carly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's... <laughs> yeah, got one of those. Yeah, that was a hospital pass. Yeah, no, I think it's um, that's a really interesting story. Like, so when when did you first get actually into collecting NFTs? Like, what what, what was your what was your first NFT, and like maybe what's been your journey since? And maybe like what I think is interesting is that you you're clearly meeting so many people, so many like you just said you had you know Herman Naruto on the show, you've had a bunch of different people. What what are the things that maybe you you, you've even just said like you had some misconceptions maybe started like what do you know now that you kind of wish you'd learned like 12 months ago and what are the main trends you think are for you over the next mm. over the next 12 months yeah first nft was v friends it was gary v who like fully pushed me over the edge because i was like you know january february march of last year was sort of looking at what was happening in DeFi. started to then queue into the nft thing kind probably i guess around april which would have been like Mebit time. Um, was Mebits then or, yeah. or board or apes? I wasn't on the apes thing May early 5th. at all. V friends launched the week of May 5th. So V friends was May 5th. I, I was kind of tracking it a little bit before then. And then Gary, who's somebody I had, I had started following, you know, probably the year prior had some friends on the campaign actually who used to work for Gary V and would talk about him. And so I was like, Oh, this guy's interesting. So when I saw him really going hard on it and you know, he's just so good at that. Like he's so good at articulating it in a way that's, understandable. And so that's when the, the sort of digital asset concept and, and the idea of, I, I think he said something at one point that was like, you know, internet 1.0 was the digitization of information. You know, we could all Google the wine varietal we wanted now instead of using an encyclopedia or whatever we did previously. And then you had social media was the digitization of, of socializing. And then this third wave is like the digitization of goods. It, that was just, I was like, yeah, got it. Like, just like whatever the, the, the nuances of this end up looking like that as a macro thesis just felt like a no brainer, um, just given the way the world is working. So um, I think <laughs> what did I learned this past year, I think in general, I, I, I am proud that I, I try, I didn't get too, too swept up. Like I didn't just like burn literally all of my money on NFTs, which there were times where I was like very tempted to do. And I kept enough of a head about me to be like, you know, we're in a bubble. Like I'm so bullish on this whole asset class, but we all knew we were in a freaking bubble and like clearly things were untenable and couldn't be sustained the way they were. And I think I largely kept a head on my shoulder. They're obviously, 
and then, but then my regret would also be like, I probably should have kept a little bit more of it on my shoulder. And uh, again, should have been like, hey, I love this macro thesis, but like a lot hasn't played out yet. So let's like cool it on just like the week to week, what's pumping, like all of that, uh, probably uh, maybe too much time and money burned <laughs> on that stuff. Um, in terms of what's coming ahead, I, I've tweeted this before and I feel like people maybe have mixed reactions to this, but I, I do think we're entering this like, I keep saying this and I feel like it's a dirty word, but like corporate era of NFTs. And I mean that in a really positive way where you have, I think doodles, Yuga labs, you know, I guess Azuki, cool cats with their recent hires and what they're doing, like really professionalizing. And I know a lot of people actually have a very allergic reaction to what they see these companies doing and they feel like they're leaving the community behind and they're, you know, prioritizing VCs over their holders. You know, I don't happen to kind of take that view, I think, for these companies to fulfill on their promise and frankly, to to kind of make these assets super valuable in the future. They need millions upon millions of dollars in the networks of these VCs. And look, there's there's certainly a wrong way to take VC money and there's definitely a sellout way to take VC money. But I, I'm trust, I trust like a doodles, for example, to, to do it the right way and that they've been very thoughtful and considerate about it. And like, if you want to be the next Disney, you know, like there's, that's just very hard to do. You're going to need a lot of capital and it's a long-term bet you're making. So I think it's, it excites me to see, um, things like that. I've been very vocal about like companies like cryptoys who I think are, um, amazing and we can maybe talk about them a little bit if folks aren't, aren't familiar with cryptoys but they're starting to really launch yeah, some things I haven't heard of them, yeah yeah so it, what's so interesting well I'll, I'll, I'll tell what cryptoys is and then i'll say why i think it's cool so um cryptoys founded by this guy will uh wine rob and he, he's been in crypto since you know 2015 2016 days and he has a couple young kids and the biggest trend in the toy market in like 2018 2019 um were these things called lol surprise dolls and the concept will sound very familiar here to anybody who likes NFTs, which is you go to the store, you buy this box, you don't know what doll is inside. The kid opens it up and it's got this cool little playful, you know, unboxing experience. And um, they have a doll in there that are very cute and all these big eyes and whatever. And there's different rarities and there's, you know, they're like these collectible toys and they have different rarities and the kids go crazy for them. And they just, you know, it turns them into probably little gambling addicts because they just keep wanting to buy new boxes to get the rarest dolls. And of course, that became big on YouTube unboxing series, etc. So Will, founder of Cryptoys, his daughter, super into these dolls. And it gets him thinking, like, we could create something like this on the blockchain. And then instead of just having this doll that, in his daughter's case, she just kind of like throws on the, she opens it, throws it on the pile of, of her others, is like, you could actually then go and take your little digital character and enter, you know, your, your Club Penguin-esque world with it and go play arcade games and, and, be really interactive digitally with this toy you just unboxed. So he launched this company just as a side thing he was doing with his daughter in like 2018, 2019, where they built these really cute characters that you would have this uh, sort of tactile unboxing experience with, even though it was a digital unboxing experience, you'd get this cute toy and then you can go and play with the toy. Um, it's obviously, a, you know, they've, they've launched it into a pretty big undertaking now. They've raised, you know, millions of dollars from all these different VCs, but, and, and they have a lore behind it, et cetera. What I like about this company so much is while if you take what they're doing, which is building lore, building a gaming arcade, building cute characters, each of those things look pretty identical to what we see in this space across a lot of different projects. 
But because he came at it from this very specific thesis, which is like, these are toys first. These are things, these are like family friendly dolls that kids are going to want to unbox and play with. And families are, it's a way for families to get their kids kind of into to blockchain. And we can talk about some of the risks there too. But um, it, it's led to a bunch of downstream decisions that I think ha- will play out very well for them. For example, they're working with Flow to create like child proof wallets where you can have a wallet that's sort of like a sub wallet to your your parents account so that you can be really monitored and hemmed in 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 what you can do and i i just think coming at it from this specific thesis and specific perspective um, is leading to some really cool results they didn't end up launching some just you know kind of 10k project during the bull market they really took that time to kind of observe and and build out their tech and their platform and so now they're kind of going into this next wave i just think really really well positioned to build authentically and not just build based on hype. So anyway, companies like that, uh, this will be the end to my long rant here. Uh, and then it, when I say kind of corporate NFTs, and then you have like a Starbucks who I'm really excited about their Odyssey program. I think it, it feels at least for now, like a really genuine entrance into the space that is strategic, not cash grabby, um, super smart and has the potential, I think, to onboard a lot of people into the digital asset world. Um, so I'm really excited for this next wave. I think, you know, it's, you're going to have fewer millionaires minted probably, but that that it's not zero millionaires minted. It's just fewer. And, um, and it's just going to be more serious and we need fewer millionaires minted because frankly, the, like, that was part of what made people roll their eyes at this space was like (laughs) these people just making crazy money off of stuff that just seemed like nothing to people. And, um, so tampering down on some of that, I think is just going to make it, make the water that much warmer for, for people to start feeling more comfortable with these assets that right now they like associate with scams. So anyway, long rant over. That's what I think is, I think that's the phase we're in. And, and personally, I actually love it. Yeah, I think I completely agree. I think the next, the next stage is going to be, and we keep on seeing it even in the, like what's dominating the headlines is, is applications by real companies. Um, and it's not 10K profile pictures. It's it's like massive, massive undertakings, I think by um, a number of different companies who are now looking to look look as nfts as like the rails with which they they do technology it's interesting though that that then when you start like having a podcast or creating material on it it's going to move slightly away i think the focus at least from this like collecting mindset to this like i don't know um corporate mindset of just people doing day-to-day activities Mm -hmm. with it and it's just gonna be interesting what happens to the nft community as such if if the focus kind of shifts slightly away from this idea that we're all going to create these amazing collectibles because maybe you know we're not going to have historical relevance in a couple of years and it's really gonna have to be this incredible art or credible idea that really and you can even see that now like that pushes you above like 10 20 30 years like it's very difficult i think to create a collectible now um which is going to have like a, a one-up on some of the existing projects already yeah. out here i do think though that like i think ultimately anything that grows the pie is good for every part of this industry right so like if it, it what gets unlocked with this technology once we hit a critical mass of people using it is so exciting, which is why, yes, I think you're, for the most part, it'll be like, you know, your, your, your mainstream person or whatever is going to be a more casual user of these things where they have a wallet because they want their Starbucks rewards and because they want their Sephora points or whatever. But now that, that means they have a wallet and they're aware that other people have wallets. And that's when people who are really inclined to social signal via their collectibles like it's better for them because there's more people who are actually looking at this and maybe checking out their wallet. I mean, I've said I, my uh, my prediction for the future is that 
dating apps, you'll not only link to your Instagram, but you'll link to your wallet, right? And people will see what concerts you've gone to and they'll see what restaurants you like to eat at. And so just driving adoption, even if it's not around the collectibles thesis, ultimately makes it more desirable or more more appealing to more people to use this tech for collectibles because that's going to be how certain people choose to kind of signal who they are. So um, I think it all ends up, I like that. you know, I like feeding that. itself. The next stage is not millionaires, but the stage after that yeah. is where we get millionaires again. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, sure. No when, okay? Yeah, I know. We'll g- give it 10 years, it sounds like. Well, suppose we c- reach critical mass, then everyone will realize our bags are, are worth loads. Yeah, <laughs> in, in 10 years, I'll be, I'll, be, uh, I'll be 25, so we're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to ask you, like, as well as your background, it's interesting to hear that your background really was, was kind of in DeFi, and that's obviously how you love bankless and we actually put as one of the topics of the show like i i mean i listen to bankless all the time i think it's, they run a great um podcast in themselves as well but they've always been a bit like a bit standoffish with i think the concept of nfts and obviously it's called bankless which just means that the, the real enlightenment there was DeFi and the the idea of like easy money transfers and all this sort of stuff i still i still get the, the like the light opinion from the broader crypto space that we are we're just seen as the nft applications are just seen as kind of trivial and it's all like a bit of a joke and a bit of a game do, do you like do you, do you find that slowly shifting yet in like just you must be uh, more i guess surrounded by DeFi people in general but like what, what's your sense really of that um, when yeah. you go to these conferences and stuff i'll say first of all i think one of my like strengths and weaknesses is being somewhat like sometimes like a little bit obtuse to like <laughs> like sentiment around me <laughs> like if i'm into something i i like am pretty good at tuning out naysayers which can sometimes mean i just like i'm like blissfully unaware of them <laughs> um kind of get in my own bubble so or maybe it's just because I tell people I'm into NFTs and they don't want to be rude and so they don't like shit on them to me. Um, I think, look, I'll say, you see this with like the Bitcoin maximalist community. I'll give an example here. This will tie back to DeFi and things. I, I was just talking to like a Bitcoin maxi uh, the other hey, night. Hey, careful, I Carly. I don't want you to get canceled, my yeah. love. Careful. <laughs> hey, look, I, I'm very much not. I mean, the, the, the funny thing with this conversation was I, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm open-minded. Like, I'm going to talk to this dude. Like, let's see. Maybe he, like, persuades me of something. And I left being like, that was the stu- that was so fucking stupid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm completely, I'm, like, all the more persuaded by, by my point of view. But, like, his, his fundamental thing is, like, fixing the money system, fixing our broken, like, banking system, like a lot of people I know who are really into Bitcoin came from like Goldman Sachs and are like, oh my God, it's a shit show over there. You know, like it's a crazy system that you have 30 people, like 30 Goldman Sachs analysts have to sit there to make sure a wire goes through after like 30 minutes of testing it. Like this is a crazy monetary system. So, and and if you really see that as like the fundamental problem in the world and and, and money being tied to governments, which is a very like, you know, legitimate thing to, to, to feel very passionately about, then NFTs feel like a betrayal of the point of crypto <laughs> and you see all these people, NFTs got a lot of public attention, but a lot of people just like, were like, oh, it's scams. So I think these people who come at it from a very, just like, let's fix the financial system perspective, just think NFTs have betrayed the fundamental purpose for this. But I do think it's changing. I mean, I, I feel like when, when Topshot came out and got a bunch of people into crypto, like everyone was kind of excited. Even if DeFi folks like kind of rolled their eyes, like they're still pumped that like more people are, are hopping into the ecosystem. So I think it's just going to take that next wave of like positive mainstream adoption because we went from the positive mainstream adoption in like a Topshot scenario to just like this hyper bubbly bad press cycle. Um, and we'll have a good, we'll have a good press cycle again. You know, there'll be, there'll be some new wave that comes in. 
So, you know, look, it's I think, not going anywhere. Yeah, I think both have really had a really tough 12 months. It's not like DeFi has been covered in glory no. during, this, during <laughs> yeah, this bear market. No kidding. The DeFi also got shafted because people don't understand the difference between like CFI and DeFi. <laughs> you know, have like very the true. Wall Street Journal being like, DeFi is crashed. Look at Celsius. And everyone in DeFi is like, what? That's like not, <laughs> they're just a bank. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of of the view that, that, that NFTs have the potential to be the biggest application of blockchain oh, technology. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Is that, I was about to say, is that, is that, is that your view too? Are you more bullish on NFTs than you are on uh, like DeFi applications? Yeah. I mean, certainly in terms of just like day to day people's lives, right? Like, I don't know, I don't know, like the scope of like financial, tra- like it, NFTs are just culture, right? So to, to me, like the number of people who are going to interact with blockchain because of NFTs are just far greater than the number of people who are going to interact with them because of DeFi. In terms of like scope of importance in the world, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, where we'll kind of land on that again. If, if crypto really does just like solve money flow problems, that's like a pretty big nut to crack and, and is arguably probably a bigger nut to crack than like I can go back to owning music, you know, instead of renting it from Spotify. Um, but, but I definitely think it'll touch more people's lives. No doubt. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my kind of view too. So um, I guess I want to change tack slightly and just think just think about the stuff that um, I know you you talk a lot about generative art on your platform. You clearly you're clearly bullish on that, and you often have Zeneca on and various different like uh, generative art, let's say experts who come on and talk about uh, talk about that side of things. Obviously, one of the biggest applications as well is things like gaming. Do you have do you have a strong view on gaming, and then maybe even more broadly, like do you have a strong view on utility based NFTs? Do you think do you think those are going to continue to dominate the next like bull run. Mm. So very bullish on gaming. Um, maybe biased because I spend again kind of a lot of time with Robbie Ferguson, who founded IMX, literally on the thesis that gaming is the Trojan horse to you know to get people into NFTs. And uh, you know the gaming industry is whatever. It's like a two hundred billion dollar industry now, and it's slated to be a three hundred billion dollar industry in the next you know three years or whatever. So. It's um it's absolutely massive and and you've seen these paradigm shifts in gaming previously with like free to play it was a big shift that made a lot of gamers really mad and then um you know even the shift to mobile gaming and one of the things that I've sort of become aware of in my intellectual pursuit of understanding gaming is that the Western gaming market and, and you know like the U.S. gaming market is um is not necessarily reflective of the global gaming market and so if you look in like Asia mobile gaming is huge in Asia, much bigger than it is here in the States. And so um, while some of the games that are very like US based, like your Legends of Zelda kind of games, don't necessarily have obvious applications for like a blockchain economy or, you know, crypto economy in them or something like there's a lot of international games that do. And so I think sometimes you have people who are like, well, I the games that I play, like I, I would never want like an NFT component to them. Um, which realistically, you know, all these games will probably have NFT components, but, um, but there's a lot of just, there's a, there's a whole gaming market out there that's outside of our kind of Western sphere. That's, um, you know, very ripe for, for having these, these blockchain economies. Again, a little bit of a, a noob talking here, but that's, that's sort of smart people that I've spoken to have, have articulated that to me. So, um, so super bullish about that. Very excited about that. I think it, it also just speaks for the need for like your layer two solutions or or potentially your your alternative chains who do have just higher throughput uh, than than Ethereum. Um, utility tokens. I mean, man, <laughs> I feel like I've lost I've lost a sense on like what utility means at this point. You know, like utility NFTs. Yeah, utility NFTs. I mean, like uh, like I think this is probably not what you 
guys are even thinking on, on that front, but like identity, like when we talk about verifiable credentials or, you know, I guess soulbound NFTs is, is the other term or like using these as forms of identity, which to me is like the ultimate kind of utility is a no brainer for, for blockchain use cases, health records. Like the fact that we have all of these just disparate systems that don't talk to each other. Like I'm filling out the same form every time I go to the doctor or if I switch doctor, it's like, that's crazy. Like all of this, all of these key parts of my identity, um, should be like kind of tied back to me with sort of one sort of credential, um, that's reliably stored. So, um, that really excites me. I think we will get there. These around these things around like identity and, and almost like government and, and use of blockchain for that. Um, utility NFT, like I, I don't know. I guess people. I feel like people say utility NFTs because it unlocks. You know, I can go play this game now because I have the NFT that lets me play that game. Um, it, it, utility felt like it sort of became the buzzword because people realized like, okay, we can't really justify this valuation for just because it's like a picture. And so like, we're, we're going to talk a lot about utility as a way to kind of justify these crazy prices. And, and the utility itself at the time probably still didn't justify some of the crazy prices. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm very bullish about adding utility to, to, um, to these assets. And, and that is a trend. Is that, is that like, the, is there another kind of That's definition it, exactly. for utility? I guess, yeah. I guess utility-based NFTs, you're right. And that, that it will, it, as we've just spoke about earlier in the show, like the utility is going to branch into things which aren't collector-based. I guess I was talking about collectible-style utility-based NFTs, but yeah, I also agree with what you're saying. Like, I think um, it was maybe the price stu- the price then demanded utility because people are like, why do I own this? And a lot of projects have kind of gone down this road where yeah. maybe that isn't even what they originally were, were meant to be about. Yeah. So, Although, and that ironically, I think also, I think initially utility helped to boost the price because they're like, we have utility. But then once utility gets too firmed up, I think it actually kills the price because people like the abstract, like where they can picture what the future might look like for their NFT, you know, and it's like this big, beautiful, like glowing vision. And then once it firms up and gets real specific, like Doodles is like, yeah, we're just in, we're building, we're trying to build the next Disney. It's going to take a decade. People are like, oh, you know what? (laughs) That doesn't actually sound as like sexy as my like abstract vision was uh, like, uh, you know, going to kind of tank the price. So it's it's a tough balance because if you lean too heavily on utility, then people start valuing you solely based on the utility you're driving and very little things are actually worth $50,000, you know, like just based on utility. So there's a, there's a funny balance there. I feel like in terms of like, that's why I think you have the, you've got your Tyler Hobbs of the world who aren't promising utility or like, I'm just a once in a generation artist or whatever, you know, they're the ones commanding the the really high value now, which is also legitimate in my view, if it's just like the art is the utility. So that's interesting, right? Because like even the way I, I separate, I'm going to start separating them in my wallets too, just when I can find a couple hours to do so. It's a lot to skim through, but I'm going to completely separate things. It's a utility bag and it's the art bag. It's, one has nothing to do with the other. Mm, mm. And one of them that's probably going to be there to stay until I die and the other one where it can always be moved around, right? Yeah. Um, and so... And I don't get those art block things. Like the Pardon? Tyler Hobbs shit. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. I never will. People roasted me for buying this penguin for $600,000, but there are actually dumb motherfuckers seven million dollars on that funky ass shit no right. let me let me let me let me defend let me defend i love this man i will defend by saying i think the reason this stuff does so well is because there's an analog to it in the real world right like i can port my you know thinking about like basquiat or like fine artists right like those sell for 25 million dollars in the real world so it's not such a leap to be like okay 
this is the next generation of like fine artists, which usually carries with it some like abstract kind of like weird looking thing, you know, <laughs> like we don't consider Disney characters fine art, even though that's like probably more pleasing than like a lot of just like random fine art or whatever. So I just think it's a model that people like have an analog for. And so it feels like a safer bet than these things that like there's fewer analogs for. It's a narrative that people understand. Yeah, like, exactly. Ultimately, you're creating cultural artifacts and that makes sense in terms of like where it stands in the history on chain. So yeah, I, I agree with you in that sense. It gives me yeah. Starbucks cup, but grande vibes. You know how Starbucks <laughs> tries to overcomplicate shit by making what is a word for large, the smallest cup. That's how yeah. I feel about it. But you know, I'm not too versed in the art stuff, so I'm going to be quiet. But like, that's always been the thought of my, the back of my head. People started roasting me. I'm like, y'all spent $7 million on this bullshit? You, Bro, man. a Campbell's soup can is literally art. So, yeah. so it, it's incredible. I was gonna say, rich elite culture is all about like gatekeeping, like why something is cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, like, you just wouldn't understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, like, <laughs> the thing that everyone's reaching, right? Everyone's reaching for it. Totally. Like, we're everyone's trying to reach for, oh, this is gonna be the best utility. Everyone's reaching that these are gonna be like, this is the next Basquiat, this is the next like movement in art. Like, we're all reaching at this stage, we're all hoping that we're gonna be right. And I think. I think people can be right about it. like I know what you're, you're saying, uh, like Frederick. Like I, I completely get it. But I think if if the idea is that this is going to be, you know, the defining moment of a new era in art, then yeah, these can be these can be worth a lot. Yeah, if it just kind of gets forgotten about. Then, <laughs> then it's not. We also have like two dynamics at play, which is like you have like all of this wealth just being like gate kept by the boomer generation. The all in podcast guys were just talking about this where like $76 trillion of wealth is held by like basically like 76 million like American boomers, you know? And so you have that group of people, they, they're probably not buying NFTs as often at this point. Right. But like they do, they, they're just like literally looking for fucking places to put all their money. Like they like just have, and then you have our generation who like kind of senses that we've been screwed because there hasn't been like the proper kind of normal wealth transfer from one generation to the next, you know? And, and like a lot has been just kind of gate kept by the generations above us. So we're putting our money in stupid shit. Cause we're just so desperate to get like legitimate returns and to like build the wealth that like the generation above us was, was able to build. So I feel like you have, you have both generations for very different reasons, just like throwing shit at the wall to see the I hope am, that something I, I, sticks. We just make up the narrative. Yeah. <laughs> I am blaming the previous generation. Yeah. Of 100%. course. That's all right. They told me, they told no, us. Sure, I appreciate that years. wonderful explanation. I really do. <laughs> yeah. I might have to pick <laughs> up a QQL or something. Yeah. Yeah, do it. I bet you <laughs> Yeah, that's getting into the QQL. Just throw shit at the wall it. because we've been screwed by our parents. <laughs> can I can <laughs> I ask one one question question just to, ahead, to end it? What, why no profile picture? How oh. have you managed to go through yeah, a year in a NFTs with, no, yeah. with a normie profile picture? So it's question. been a, a number of different a number of different reasons. It's been like fairly calculated. When I first was getting into this, right, like I come from like a very normie world. Actually, it's funny. Like the the I, when I minted my V friend, I was going to my friend's brunch, and she's like a very normal, like cute brunch going girl, you know. And all her friends are very like just like your basic bitches. I say that in the kindest way because I love these people, right? But I show up with my fucking like yeah, <laughs> my laptop. My like backpack and laptop, so I can mint this fucking like ha like happy hermit crab in the corner of this restaurant while they're like toasting mimosas, right? So, so I there was before I'd heard the term like I want to be the bridge between Web two and Web three, which I feel like gets overused now. I was like I kind of want to show you can be into this like weird deep tech stuff, and it doesn't have to become your like entire personhood, and I can also still just be like 
me, you know? I also think um, I, I didn't, there hasn't been as much as I've loved the NFTs I've, I've bought and whatever, like there isn't one where I'm like, yeah, this is my identity or like, this is my, I'm like, no, like my identity is, is me. I may change it one day. Like if I ever want to launch something with NFTs and overpriced JPEGs, like I do something like that, you know, it'll, it'll become a big statement. But for me, it just felt like my identity still very much feels like my, my IRL identity. And, and also it just feels like a nice signal to people that you can be really into this stuff. And also like, doesn't mean you have to completely like subsume all of you. In yeah, other we're, words, we're, you we're haven't found something that you totally love. By the way, admit it. Well, because while her friends were getting drunk and fucking mimosas and Bellinas and spending money, she probably like 10x that V for Oh, oh yeah, it's 10x yeah, now. It. It, I literally mentioned it at half an ETH. It's at like six ETH <laughs> now. So even in like the downest of down markets, it's still more than 10x. Oh, you know, I texted them. I was like, by the way, bitches. Yeah, what is worth $76,000 now? <laughs> there you go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. I texted them. I mean, all, all in love and jokes, but it was fun. Carly, um, you know, I know it's, it's noon, you know, and, uh, and we, we're hitting time. We'll be mindful of that. But like, what are you, what, you know, I guess my last one, what are you excited for the most when it comes to media and Web3? Like, obviously, you know, we're like, you know, we're deep. Like, this is everything yeah. we do, everything we've ever done. I pinned at the top my, the interview I did with Carly back. It was September last year, uh, actually. Wow, man. Wow. So it's over no. a year ago. Holy it was shit. Just, sorry, March. Sorry, March. Oh, March. March. I was going to say, wait, there's no way. I didn't launch I read until November of last year. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's like in the French, it's the opposite, the month. Yeah, the yeah, thing. yeah. That's my excuse. I'm allowed to have it, y'all. Yeah, uh, November 9th then. Okay, March. Yeah. That was late. Why not use oh, the creature? <laughs> What's the, what do you see? What do you see? Uh, media and what are you excited for the most uh, with what you're up to? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's two separate, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about what you guys are doing. You know, I've always been excited about it, kind of playing with these new models of media. I do think it's ripe for disruption. I do think we have these media gatekeepers. I mean, look, I worked in politics and saw firsthand what like the media gatekeepers looked like. And, and um, it was really frustrating to feel like you were so dependent on like a media narrative that may or may not have really been tethered to like what you were experiencing on a day-to-day level in a campaign. So anyway, so love, love the concept of more decentralized media or like the consumers of media as the gatekeepers themselves. So excited to see how, you know, you're, you're really leading the charge there, how some of that stuff plays out. Uh, for me personally, I mean, I just want to keep making better and better content. So it's, it's sort of traditional in that sense. I will say, I'll tease this. We're going to start playing with, uh, it may become a separate podcast or, you know, we're, we're going to launch it sort of under overpriced JPEGs, which is, um, deep dives. I don't know. I mentioned the podcast acquired earlier today and they use this format where like you have one person who does deep research on a topic and then like tells the story of it to another person who's on the podcast, really just there to provide like color commentary and some jokes. And, um, I love that format for podcasting. So going to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this would be, so we're going to deep dive on like different brands and the way they've entered the NFT space. So like I'm doing a bunch of research right now on Star Trek and Star Trek has kind of dabbled in NFTs in a number of different ways and really like telling that full story, start to finish, like chronologically, like what have they done? How has it gone? How has it worked? Um, and so, so just really trying to build out like a, a mind share of like almost case studies of, of how brands have entered up to this point and, and how can they do it better? So I'm really excited about that series um, and, and seeing how it goes. And, and I'm hoping it'll provide a lot of value and, and just hopefully in an ideal world, just like leads to better, better metaverse blockchain activations on the part of brands. Um, and so pumped about that. I mean, Austin, who's I think still on here, like we've been talking about different ways to, to really gamify and, and, 
um, reward participants of, you know, people who, who um, listen to media, consume it, share it, et cetera. So, you know, Austin's pushing me in that direction, which I, uh, I appreciate. And um, yeah, otherwise, man, I just like people go, go check out Overpriced JPEGs, go subscribe, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Cause that's where everything's going to be ex- ex- solely moving forward. We're moving off of the bank list, YouTube onto Overpriced JPEGs, YouTube. We got this new series coming out. So uh, yeah, fun stuff. Got the Puerto Rico documentary coming out. Hell Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to go shoot a documentary in Puerto Rico. Dude, it was so sick. Also, the artists, and, there's so many artists in Puerto Rico that are just amazing. And it, there's a awesome. lot of crypto people in Puerto Rico, but different for different reasons. Well, though. Th- this is like the point of the doc. OK, I'll, I'll say this real quick. I know we're running over. But basically, like all the media kind of covers is that you have these they call them like, you know, crypto colonizers. Like you have these like white bros, your Logan Paul's of the world. Right. Like going to Puerto Rico and. Look, there are negative ramifications to that where, you know, housing prices are going up and local Puerto Ricans are struggling to afford areas where they used to be able to live and all of those things. So it's totally valid to cover that as a story and to talk about the implications of that. The problem is that's like the only thing that the media will cover when it comes to crypto and NFTs and in, in Puerto Rico. And you also have this like thriving local Puerto Rican community that are artists that are like kind of radical in a really positive way, like political thinkers who are like, our systems are so corrupt, blockchain could fix some of this, they could create more transparency. And they're getting erased <laughs> because all all that'll get covered is like, you know, sort of the bro story. So I, I really went to, to try and, you know, counteract that a little bit and be like, all right, here are these awesome people making art, thinking about how to change government, like doing all these cool things that are local to Puerto Rico and that are native Puerto Ricans and, and like, let's tell their stories too. So anyways, that's my plug for that. No, I, I'm happy you're bugging it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Come on, baby. And Let's so for it. anybody listening on replay, Carly P. Riley, R-E-I-L-L-Y. Oh, love it. Get that spelling. Of overpriced JPEGs. Uh, these the space this space will be uploaded across all you know audio platform by end of day. We'll have a thread going up in a couple of minutes, thanks to Golden. Carly, thank you so much for coming here. Uh, thank morning. you guys, man. On the Gem NFT show. It was long overdue. Yeah, long overdue, and we got to have you back on. You know, we got to get the updates on on everything you're doing at all times. You're just like, like a oh, blur, you know, building. We're moving. We're we're, we're moving. We're building. I we're love moving. it. All we're right, building hands. Uh, Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, and so we're moving as usual. You all know what time it is. The church bells are ringing in Montreal, Canada. That's God's way of telling me to get the fuck off the stage <laughs> and to go to work. And with that. We'll see y'all tomorrow. If I'm not mistaken, we got Kevin Rose on special guest tomorrow, so it'll be a fun space. I'll see y'all tomorrow for another episode of GMNFTs on Rug Radio, 10:30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7:30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Shout out to my co-host. Uh, oh wow, Twitter stock paused due to volatility. Oh, Hold on. what's going on? I can hear you. No, no, the Twitter stock just paused. Oh, Tesla oh, stock. Elon Musk <gasps> said to propose to Twitter to proceed with the deal at 54:20. And the 420. Mando, you seen this? Did Love you it. Call the, uh, Twitter. I kind of. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. It's, oh fuck! That thing just popped just now. That'll be interesting. Well, I guess we'll talk about it tomorrow. All right. We'll see y'all tomorrow morning. <laughs> Shout out to my co-host OSF and Mando, and to everybody that came on to that special guest, Carly. Uh, Carly, sorry. Thank you, Dees, Frederick, Prophets, Dado, Austin, Kenobi, Golden as usual. And with that, we'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye. Yeah, yeah. To have a beautiful day. GM, GM.